0: All right, teaching others also, praise the Lord, it's good to be here this morning, and we're uh, working on fishing for souls, fishing for men, and it's uh, Tuesday morning, the 25th. When I was reading uh, Chambers this morning, I was going to recommend it, especially if you can just have a copy of it, or if you have access to the, you know, the traditional one before they made all the edits like they do with everything that's good. That's just mankind's way. Mankind feels the necessity to tweak things. It is amazing. But we do. But I'd recommend his for today. It's called Leave Room for God. And uh, if you get a chance, read that. It's really good. And I say that to say that (coughs) having key thoughts and letting the Lord bring them in, it's not that that's all that your mind is on. But when we think about fishing for souls, his. Devotion on leave room for God is is a good application of it. Now, we read three passages of Scripture, referred to other ones yesterday morning. We're not going to repeat that each day because this will probably take this week to go through this subject, Deficient for Souls. It might even take longer. And I think that sometimes it's kind of like uh, good food and stuff. It's more palatable if it's in the right proportions. And that's what one of the things we try to do with the broadcast style of of our lessons. Now, I want to think about three things over this course of this study, and it's going to branch out a lot, and I'm not going to limit myself to it. But I, as I thought about what is it that that happens, and let me say, let me let me back up a minute. Hang on. Here's something I see happening. I've always seen it. Ever since I got saved, started hearing preaching, it didn't make, it wasn't as clear to me until I started learning some Bible and listening to some of the old timers. But there is this tendency to shortcut study of the word of God. Now there's not a tendency to shortcut listening to other people, but there's definitely a tendency to to shortcut study. Ecclesiastes says much study is a weariness of the flesh and it is. I have heard Bible-believing people, Christians, explain away, you know, the diligence and the the, uh, the burden of study. Uh, much study is a weariness of the flesh. And yet he told Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And, you know, that's not letting somebody tell you how to cut the Bible up, okay? That's telling you to be able to take the Bible and apply it properly. So here's what I see happening a lot. And I want to preface our study with saying this, is that I see people taking the earthly picture and then trying to find something to apply to Scripture instead of taking the Scripture first and then looking at how the physical, earthly, natural illustrations fit it. And that may not seem like much to you, but it's a big deal. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard preaching and teaching that you could just tell almost immediately if you applied your Bible as the standard that that person just took what they understood of the natural world and our our subject, for example, fishing for souls. I see guys do this all the time, and it's a lot faster way to prepare a sermon, by the way. It's a lot easier way to prepare a sermon or a lesson, but it's not the deepest spiritual application that a child of God needs. They do this. They look at all the natural world and they pull this out and they pull that out. And here's the problem. They're dealing from their limited personal knowledge, experience, etc. Or some just a tree out of the forest. If you do not get a picture of the whole forest first and you start pulling trees out, it is not going to help people, even though it might sound clever. It might. Even though it might have some application, and it might. But I know this for a fact from my own life of understanding the Bible and then answering Bible questions. You know, it's amazing that people do have questions. What does this mean? And what does that mean? And if you spend time with people those questions will come out and you can answer them. Here's the problem. A lot of people want a quick, I mean, faster than microwave answer. Now, they want it faster than sending and receiving a text nowadays. That's the opposite of how God made it. He told us, us to search the scriptures. He told us to seek him. Now, I'm prefacing not just today's, but the rest of them on this subject for that reason. (laughs) We're going to look at what the Bible says about it, what the Bible pictures, and then we can look outside at the natural world. So when we talk about fishing for souls, we're going to look at the Bible context first. And this idea, this primary picture is given to us in the Gospels, in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, teaching and preaching, and in the lives of the men that he called to be disciples and some apostles. So in the context, we want to make sure that we keep it in that context and then apply it. For example, most seeking after souls, fishing for souls, is not like going deep sea fishing, okay? It's not like going sailfish fishing, where you take the... At least a, a maximum, usually three lines. You put them up on a kite, or you might have two going. So you got six lines out there, and the bait is all this and that. It's not like that because that's not how the Bible teaches it. For example, if you think about the context of the Lord Jesus Christ teaching on on the Word of God and on souls, you find Him them th- casting a net, and then you find the sower sowing seed, casting the seed. He casts it. Okay. So it's important to keep our primary application in line with the Bible and then learn and then look for little illustrations that might help inspire you a little bit or give you a picture of how to do things. But that's really, really important. And so today when we're looking at it, and I said we're going to look at at the fishers and then the fishings and then the fruits. Now there'll be, uh, you know, a wide range of of lessons and thoughts under those ideas. So he said to them, I'll make you to become. Follow me, and I'll make you to become. He said in Matthew, I'll make you fishers of men. He told them in the other passage, I'll make you to become fishers of men. So they weren't fishers of men, but they were fishers. But what he had to do... And Mark chapter 1 is where he said, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Okay? Uh, In Luke chapter (coughs) 5, he said, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. So the picture, (coughs) (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) the picture is clear. And that's this. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to use this thing that they know. And by the way, he... Paul uses building, for example. There are certain things he uses. He does not say you can use whatever you're doing and apply it. There's very little direct application, for example, with welding because the elements that you're using aren't applicable and and, uh, parallel to things you find in Scripture. Yes, you could do it as far as building a building type thing, but iron and steel in your Bible, if you know your Bible, they don't have the best context at all in your Bible, starting way back in the book of Genesis. So he'll take things like building. He'll take things like agriculture. He'll take things like husbandry and animals, pastoral, okay? But he has, a, he has his context first, God does, in his book, and then we move out from there so that we don't get a tree here and a tree there, and it becomes our forest. We don't get a forest full of one tree, see? So it's not like a man-made thing. It's not like a man-made forest where man takes all the same tree and wants to run them in a line, you know, like if they're doing a plantation of of pines to, to produce wood, okay? So on the fishing thing, it's the same thing. He said, I'll make you to become... Fishers of men. He said, I will make you fishers of men. He said, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. So these fishers themselves are men. Humans. Okay? And whatever the world's done to to brainwash you or the people that you minister to, if you, if you minister the word, whatever God has done, you, you first of all, you yourself have to undo that. That prejudice, prejudicial thing in your mind that if someone uses a... Male pronoun or male word, then that excludes the females and all that. No, it doesn't. It's all included in there because female is a male. Fe, feminine form of a male. That's not that. That's not that. Y'all go around acting equal or trying to take each other's roles. It's the opposite. And so, when you hear those things, you got it. You've got to work against the change that. The, the God of this world wants to make in people that hear the Bible. But you've got to start with yourself. But you've also got to understand that people are having to deal with being bombarded by this. And you can help them. Fishers of men, fishers of souls. I'm not changing your Bible. I'm not putting souls into the into the text of your Bible and, and saying that, that should be better translated. No. Help you get a picture. Fishers of souls, fish, fishers of people. These fishers, they themselves are human, are men. And it's so important to understand that one of the things that gets in the way of people coming to Christ is Christians. Now wait, not like you might be thinking right away. Yeah, I know those Christians, they live so clean. They think they're holier now and now. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I mean. You, you, you should never, ever think that you're going to lead more people to Christ or encourage more people to Christ by living less holy than God told you to live. However, He never told you to have the spirit of the Pharisees. So one of the things that has to happen is what we find happening in these passages. For example, let's, for a few minutes before we close just for today, look at Luke 5 and the context of his statement to Simon Peter about catching men. In the context, he uses their ship, he speaks, the water is just a natural amphitheater, amplification. I don't know if you've ever been on, on a smooth body of water at night, a lake, a pond, uh, an inshore bay. It is amazing how sound will travel across there. I can remember you'd stand we'd, uh, over there, it, down under, I'd stand there at night with that cast net and listen and you could hear in the winter especially your old feet would be freezing in that water, and you'd be up to your waist or whatever, and you'd be standing there, and you'd have it ready, and you could hear them from a long ways away, hear a mullet popping, plopping in that water. And they would seem so close. And then after <laughs> what seemed like an eternity of sitting standing there in that cool water, then they get closer and closer and closer. I can, I'm, I can remember people in a boat being so far away, you You'd like, I can't hear them. And you could hear their voice coming across that water. That's what God's using. He's using a natural amphitheater. He said, why is that important? Because Simon Peter and them didn't understand yet what was going on. So because he used their boat, as God does, he's no man's debtor. He said, you know, cast off, let down, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. Verse four of Luke five. And they did. <clears throat> and they got so many that their net break, they started getting holes in it, they couldn't pull it up. <clears throat> so they beckoned for their partners, and they <clears throat> came and filled both ships, so they began to sink. They, they, <laughs> they went from catching nothing and washing, they're in there washing their nets out, because all they got was junk all night. And a lot of that kind of fishing was done at night. And many times it's a good time, either at night or, you know, dark 30, either side of the clock. And so... Understand, he falls to his knees there, and he said, uh, "Depart from me, verse eight. I'm a sinful man, O oh Lord." Do you understand that being a real fisher of souls starts not with self-deprecation, but a genuine humility before God? I tell you what I have observed over the last forty-plus years. Almost the the opposite of people who are talking about soul winning all the time, or talking about who they led to Christ, there's, there's this spirit of pride that comes out instead of humility. And there can be a spirit of pride in how many sermons someone preaches or how many tracts they put out or, you know, how many stations they're on. And what we need to start with then today is understanding that the fishers of men are men who themselves were caught by God. And it started with humility. Humility is what we need if we're going to be great fishers of souls. See you in the morning.